Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome back to the Network Show. But for the second time today, we're here to talk about Olympic tennis, but this time it's the men. We covered the women's draw. We're into the men's draw here. Spread, how was your break? Did you get your errands done? Uh, got most of them done. Still got to the grocery shopping, but uh, I'm relaxed and ready to go and excited to uh, break down this draw. That's good. We have John here. I think we have his full attention. We're not sweating any matches right now, are we? We are, but it's not as important. <laughs> <laughs> Let's jump into the draw. The first quarter here, Novak Djokovic, of course, our number one seed. Rublev continues to draw Djokovic in his quarter. It's just <laughs> a shame. Some fun names in the middle here. Katie Shakori actually has Rublev in the first round. That'll be kind of interesting. Um, Mr. Alina Monfils is here in the middle. Um, we've got Massetti <laughs> and Milman, which will be fun. You know, as you look at this quarter spread, is there anybody that's going to beat Djokovic here? I mean, it's three sets, so it's more likely. Yeah, I mean, not here. Like we like Rublev, right? I just don't think he's ready yet. And I mean, Djokovic's just display has just been just been fantastic. So, um, unfortunately, you know, it's not not, not a fun preview. Uh, definitely not all the fun, cool outrights we could do like with with the women. But uh, you know, once again, until something seems different, every event that he enters is his to lose. It's uh, it's hard to disagree with that, John. Can you? No, it's. Typical uh, ATP shows for us. It's why we started with the WTA, ATP outright shows. Okay, well, let's try and avoid the big name and take two people and off we go. And it's like, it's just, it's, this is the problem with the ATP. Like, it's just, it's Djokovic and everyone else. And I mean, I do have some outrights for the second quarter and it's the only quarter I have outrights in. Like, it's because the other quarters are all just so top heavy and you just, you can't really find a path where they're, like the big dogs are going to be defeated. That includes this one with uh, Djokovic. Yeah, it really is a nice quarter for him. So we've got Djokovic winning this next quarter, but you hinted at John some value in the second quarter. And I kind of agree. There's one name, and you talked me into this as the show started. But because I like making you wait, Spread, what do you see in the second quarter? Yeah, I mean, not to steal his thunder, but I completely agree. So we'll just let John break it down because um, he basically had it with uh, two players that have really close to even chances, but the numbers aren't aren't that even. All right, John Zverev at the top, Herkaz at the bottom, Karatsev there in the middle. Who do you like? <laughs> he just named all three. I love it. All three. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna sprinkle on all three of these guys. I mean, you look at the type of player who can beat Novak Djokovic, right? You need someone who's got a big serve to find enough free points against the greatest return of all time. You need someone, you know, and, and he has that height, he has that big serve to be able to do so. Um, you need someone who can move around the court because Djokovic angles so well. And he's actually, for his size, he moves pretty well in Zverev. And you need someone with a good backhand, right? You need someone who can compete with Djokovic on that backhand wing. If he's going to pin you in backhand-to-backhand -backhand rallies and yours isn't, you know, up to snuff, you are screwed. And, of course, Zverev has one of the better backhands on tour. Now, the forehand can leak. He can get a little passive. And that's if he gets passive against Djokovic, he's screwed. So there are some concerns here. But you look at him versus someone like Daniil Medvedev, who's got a lot of the same characteristics, who in a best of three match could challenge Djokovic. Then look at their numbers. I get that Zverev has a tougher quarter. And that's why he's priced a little bit uh, further out. But it's also why um, I have three different outrights in this quarter is because he's got the tougher quarter. The guys who I think could take him out and subsequently have a shot against Djokovic um, are the ones I'm looking at. Karatsev, 33 to 1. Another guy you can play here. Someone who's shown, obviously, it's well documented what he's done this year on hard courts or since really the pandemic restart, both on hard and clay from the challenger tour level all the way to the slams. Um, I think he beat Djokovic head to head, too, albeit on clay, which is probably less likely, to be honest, than on hards. 
And it's because he's he's not intimidated. He will take it to Djokovic. He'll take the ball early and he'll be aggressive and he'll take time away from Djokovic and remove that opportunity for Djokovic to use his returning prowess. And so the, the reason he beat him was primarily because of his game style and his aggression. And that, again, could, of course, come to fruition, especially in a best of three match. So I'll take Zverev and then y'all, I'm almost hedging with Karatsev and Hercatch. And you just hope that, you know, the profiles of those players who can trouble Djokovic might in a best of three scenario be able to topple him in this spot. Yeah, you mentioned something about Zverev. Part of the reason we are getting value on him is because he has to play Djokovic here in the semifinals. That's always confused me because I think the market builds that in. If you're in the same half as another person, you kind of get depressed. But it's something we've touched on before. Wouldn't you rather play Novak in the semifinals than the final of this event? Yeah, oh yeah. And everybody has to beat him anyway, hypothetically. So, you know, it's a 12 to 1. I'm totally on board there with you. There's a name in the third quarter that's five and a half to one that I think basically should probably be about the same odds as Varev. So I would have those two closer. And I kind of think that's that's where where we're off and where we're getting a little value. And and to your point, um, in terms of wanting to play him earlier, it like you're not, and, and people say, well, if you get him in the final, you, you get a better hedge opportunity. You have one less round of hedge. It's like, no, you're not hedging. You're playing with Djokovic on the money line. He's going to be way too expensive anyway. There's no hedge. There's no added hedge opportunity or added hedge benefit by waiting to the final and taking some from the other half, right? Exactly. The one other thing yeah. I'd like to point out there is a guy like Medvedev, I don't think meeting him earlier helps him as much. I'm not really worried as much about nerves. With a guy like Zverev, where I don't trust the mentality, I think that, that this it really helps here. So it is a little player dependent, but I think Zverev's a guy that definitely de- benefits um, from seeing him around earlier. Or, I, I mean, <laughs> if we were to be honest, I'd rather see him in the quarters or something where it really you know, could, could take some of the attention away. Um, but, but there we are. And, and I, I have to agree with you guys. I didn't really um, love the number in, until we jumped on and started talking about it. And the more I look at it, if you're only going to play one, I, I think Zverev's the way to go. Yeah, it's a, it's a really nice number at 12 to 1. I was shocked that he wasn't in single digits. Seeing some questions pop up here. We'll get to uh, Medvedev and Nagal in a little bit. They're in the fourth <laughs> quarter. But it's time for the third quarter. Um, here is the one. This one's a little bit open here. Well, maybe not. It's, you know, again, we've got Sitsapa here, depending on how you feel about him. We also have Schwartzman, and maybe that's the problem. There isn't any too many interesting names in the middle here, depending on how you feel about Hachinov or something like that. You know, John, what do you think about this third quarter? Uh, it's pretty devoid of any competition for Stefanos. I mean, he had obviously had a rough time blowing a, a lead at the French Open final. Same day losing his grandmother, he comes back to Wimbledon. Not a, his best surface, can't really uh, return very well. On that surface, never has, by the way, either. This wasn't an isolated incident, loses to Tiafo. This is kind of a great get-right spot. And I don't I don't usually use that in my handicapping. So I'm not like saying bet him because it's a get-right spot, but I'm saying there's no value in this number. And it makes sense that you know he starts off with a relatively easy match. I'm seeing here against Philip Cole Schreiber. I mean, if Cole Schreiber troubles him, good on Cole Schreiber for actually being relevant the last few months, really surprising people. But that shouldn't be a tough match for him. Francis Tiafo on hard courts away from the grass with more time to prepare. Uh, again, he should be able to get through that. And there's really no one in that quarter. I mean, Ugo Mbert is just too slap happy. doesn't have enough uh, for me to his game unless he's going to just serve, you know, like lights out and try and pick on that backhand, whether it's out wide on one side of the court or down the tee on the other. Then maybe he's got a shot for like a 7-6, seven, 7-6. Six, seven, six. But Tiafo really – or sorry – Cincy Pass really should win this quarter and do it rather easily uh, considering his level of play relative to the rest of the quarter here. 
Yeah, real quick spread before you start talking, Gonza, I saw you mentioned that null not to reach the final. If you have a market for that, let us know what the price is. I'd be curious. I don't see mm -hmm. that anywhere. Spread, what do you think of the third quarter? Yeah, I mean, uh, John really got a lot of it. You know, Hashinov's a guy that, um, you know, we talked about going into Wimbledon, and I kind of had high hopes for it with the poor form. Uh, it seemed like he turned it around there, right? So I, I rate him a little higher than maybe um, we did going into Wimbledon here. And I think that he will be the one that uh, Sitsipas ends up uh, playing there. And I think that's going to be a fantastic match. He's the only other one I would look at in this quarter, personally. Um, uh, we've heard, you know, and, and I, I can't wait to actually watch because I hate when we're just relying on, on our, these Twitter reports on the court speed, right? Because they can, they can be so variant, right? I mean, I've seen tweets within five minutes saying that they're they're fast and slow but supposedly they're really slow and high bouncing uh, that should help Schwarzman regardless I don't believe in him I think that Hashanov uh, has too much power and he will take him off and and mm. yeah the Tiafo normally you know we wouldn't take that in but being so um quick for the turnaround on the on the head-to-head -head replay and, and then you know with Sitsipas basically getting some more time um, to find himself like you know he's been all over soundcloud he seems to have really mellowed himself out you know, he <laughs> dropped about like 16 tracks this week so uh you know should be in a good mental space so i uh, agree with everything he said but if i were to choose someone that's not stefanos i would choose hashinov yeah i, I think hashinov is, is, is a solid pick there i do wonder if, if sits a pause gets knocked out of it if it has to be early because uh, he's someone that can kind of build form and build kind of energy as he goes through a tournament. That be, might be good for him. But I agree. It's probably sits up high here. Now let's jump into the fourth quarter where I will give you a surprise here, Ace. I mean, we're not taking on the gall out, right? I didn't even look up <laughs> what his price was. He's got Eastman in the first round, so we're not necessarily against that. We talked pre-show about maybe Eastman needing new goggles, depending on his play lately. <laughs> but more importantly, Mr. Medvedev is our seed here. We've got PCB at the top, FAA in the middle, and God, not really much else unless Vanini's anger gets focused towards tennis, which generally it doesn't. So, I mean, Medvedev, I really like to win this quarter. He was one of my outright picks um, at plus 450. I think he's even 5-1 to one some places. I'm very surprised this isn't a lower number. I guess people forgot how good he was on hard courts, John. Yeah, it seems like it. Seems like it. Now, if they are slower, that could be potentially built into the price, but... I mean, even still, uh, he showed some prowess, not a lot of it, but he showed some even on clay. And it, it's to the point where he's gone from being surface dependent in terms of really successful versus moderately successful to he's just going to beat inferior players on any surface at this point. And on his preferred surface, he's going to compete with the best of the best. That's how this is working with him now. And he's up to a certain level that I don't see many people stopping him in this fourth quarter. Um, again, Carreño Busta, I don't think is a real threat. Maybe he keeps a set close against him. I'd love to see Felix. I mean, trust me, I would love to see Felix take him out. Get get a Canadian somewhere into uh, the deeper rounds, potentially medal. It's not going to happen. Um, and at least it's an emotional hedge. I'm confident hey. saying it won't happen. And if it does happen, <laughs> I'm happy. So, you know, we're going to play it this way. We're just going to be two-sided on this. But, yeah, no, I don't think anyone stops him here. Again, I think this is much like the first and third quarters. It's, it's relatively straightforward for the favorite uh, if they're on their game and if they're there 100%. I, I want to go back. Putin's going to poison him. Putin will poison that they don't come back with a medal. So you know that. <laughs> I want to go back to the FAA PCB right because I feel you know in my little bracket that I filled out, I put them facing each other. I'm actually looking at who they have to play. I'm pretty confident that's who who we're going to get. But I'm curious, what do you guys think that match will be lined, and who do you like in that match? Um, because normally I don't like you know projecting two rounds ahead, but the way this draw is playing out, I feel a lot safer doing it this time. 
Great question. Uh, yeah. Let me I see here. PCP would be favored. Like what? I like would. I would think so. Forty. Based, based on the support yeah. he generally gets, because um, it is hard court. That is his better surface. I do uh, think that he would be the favorite. Yeah, slight favorite. Obviously, you're not having him. Yeah, I don't think it's sixty be, against Felix. Yeah, that's kind of what yeah. I was thinking. Like minus one fifty or one point six seven, kind of in that range. And yeah. would you, would any of you guys be getting involved on Phoenix there, Felix there, or do you no. think that? No, I'd hope I'd hope for the market to back him, especially if he beats Murray with ease. Dominic mm-hmm. Kemper is not going to be an easy out for him. You're um, right, yeah. He's not going to be an easy out. But look, if he gets by Murray easily, as he should, kind of like Chapo did, if he dispatches him in that in that regard, and then he dispatches Kepfer with ease, you could see the market take it to a pick him. And then I'd probably get involved and take PCB. I mean, yeah. just Felix is just so fun. Sense. Like, you just bet him until you get to the final, and then you just don't. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's uh, European bets. If you go back a little bit in the show or rewinding the podcast, uh, John did give that out. He likes Hubie Hercaz there at fifty to one. That one almost is almost is a Zverev hedge, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah so exactly. Like, that's that's the context. I wouldn't take him alone and not take Zverev. I would take Zverev and then kind of hedge my way through the quarter um, with three outrights in that quarter. Then Gonzo, if you're still out there, I would love to know if you have a price on that Novak not to make the final. That'd be an interesting bet. But yes. I think that just about covers everything we have for the draw here. So me personally, we're going Zverev 12 to 1, Medvedev plus 450 or 4.5 to 1 or 5 to 1. It seems like we're all, we have the deadly net worth consensus on Zverev at 12 to 1. And then to, John to is be fair, I didn't come up with it organically, though. You guys kind of talked me into it. So it's That's not the true. pure consensus. I talked myself into it the is, curse. Yeah. yeah, it really is. It's, it's kind of like spreads definitely tailing, and I'm sort of tailing. I got yeah. there, but it's, I needed a push. And then John's got <laughs> Hubie Hercast 50 to 1. And then uh, did you have Karatsev? What was your number? Karatsev 33. Karatsev 33. Obviously, going like like a unit for Zverev. I'm going to go a full unit on Zverev. I think he's got, a, he's got a shot at upsetting Djokovic. And other than his quarter, I think uh, he should do very, very well. So I've got full unit, half unit, quarter unit. Uh, Zverev, Karatsev, and Hercatch based on the odds, just for stinking wise. Yeah, 80 to 1 at bookmaker her catch. All right. 80 to 1 at bookmaker. I didn't even that's, I didn't even that's some I sweet action. Enough. I did not shop enough. Uh I went bet three six five and pinnacle. I forgot to go to bookmaker. So let me go log in he here. Is. Yeah, he that's is some sweet action. I like that quite a bit. All right, let's jump into some individual matches here. Um, you know, as we talked about, there's some good ones here. I think it took us a little bit to get the list that we have here. Although I'm excited for this one. Lorenzo Massetti is gonna be playing John Millman. Massetti right around minus 150, a little cheaper than that, like 1.67. Um, looking at Millman right around plus 120 or 2.2. I was kind of surprised Massetti was this short of a favorite. Um, you know, I know that he was dealing with some injuries and things like that, and, and Millman is generally a pretty solid player. We also have the fact that Millman being in Australia probably has less of a travel issue kind of thing, but I was curious to see. So, if John, it sounded like this price seemed just about right to you or maybe even a little value on no. No, John Millman's been bad this year, dude. Like he's okay. Been really I know. Bad. It sucks, um, uh, that's what I mean. Like, fun. so why isn't Massetti a bigger favorite here? What am I missing? Oh, oh, sorry. Okay, I thought you were that's what I was going to around. Okay, no, okay, no, no. Yeah, then yeah. I agree. Um, look, Musetti, I wanted to fade on hard courts a ton, and I did. And trust me, on slower hard courts, it came and bit me in the ass. In uh, I believe it was Mexico, was it Acapulco, the five hundred, where he just went to like what did he go to quarters or semis? I was like, just lose. <laughs> um, it was Acapulco. We went to the semis as a qualifier. He struggled in qualies with a cup for a couple sets. Oh, then beat Schwartzman, Tiafo, and Dimitrov, <laughs> losing to Sitsipas. So, uh, yeah, look, I think he's got a great shot here. Moment's totally out of form. His style doesn't bother Musetti. He's not error prone enough. Musetti can actually dictate in this match, too. And if that's the case, um, 
Millman's in trouble. Plus, Millman can't rush that one-handed backhand. Musetti, I believe, is one of the one-handed backhands on tour. And he doesn't really have a lot of weapons to target it and take time away from it. And that can be very dangerous um, if you can't do that. So, yeah, I think that this is a, a good spot to lay some games, maybe take it 2 nothing. I think Musetti should actually, surprisingly, I've, I've never said this on the clay court before, or hard court before, but I think Musetti should roll. It sounds, it, it, it almost sounds dirty to say. I, I, I'm fine with it. It's, uh, maybe that's what I'll do then. Look at some Massetti spreads and things like that. Uh, again, it just seemed like a lot of respect for Millman. And maybe it's a travel angle because, you know, as we were looking at some of the matches that looked a little bit off for us on the women's side, a lot of it was players from Japan or Asia that were getting support or players from Australia. Again, I know it's a long flight from Australia to Japan, but I think, again, I know Australia is huge and there's a bunch of time zones, but I think for a lot of people that are on the eastern shore of Australia, if you will, that should be a little easier. A little but keep. Keep in mind with the flights and stuff, players have been there. I think they've had to get their days early for all the COVID protocols. So I'm pretty sure like Team Great Britain got their days ago. Like a lot of these these players have been there. Again, Sitsi Pass was up at 5 a.m. local yesterday uh, practicing on like at the venue. He, you know, there was a video like first on the bus to the to the tennis court. So like these people have all been there for days to, to adhere to the COVID protocols. The jet lag is probably gone at this point. Uh, no matter how many time zones you, you traveled from, you've got had three, two, three days to plus it doesn't start for another day or two days in Japan. So I, I'm not sure I would, I would look too much on the travel. If anything, I think you're right. I think the market is supporting home people and people in that, in the far East region. And they might be doing it to their own detriment with, with kind of a narrative-based angle. And we might look to oppose that as we did on the women's show in the individual match markets. I would think that a lot of that isn't based off travel. It's based on conditions and, and the idea that you're more used uh, to the conditions that they have there. A, a lot of Western European players might be struggling with humidity. And that's maybe yeah. an idea that they have there because I know as me, when I go to the East Coast, like I, I just can't believe it. Like over here, like 105 is like nothing. It's dry heat out me, there. <laughs> you give me 88 in humidity and, I, and I'm gone after, you know, the first Yeah, set. that Humidex, baby, that Humidex. Yeah. <laughs> and folks, if you had, Spread compares himself to professional athletes on your net worth bingo card. <laughs> yes. Mark it off. Unfortunately, I didn't. I didn't compare myself to like one of the greatest of all times, but I still got that. This in time, not yeah. this time. It has been done <laughs> yeah. before, though. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Daniel Medvedev in the Battle of Russians minus six twenty-five or one point one six, a huge favorite against Alexander Bublik. A little better than four to one odds on Mr. Bublik straight up. What do we think here? I mean, are we going to have the Russian upset, or is? Uh, Comrade Putin allowed this to happen. <laughs> I mean, it's it's one of those things where it's like I do like Medvedev to roll through his quarter, except this match. Like I don't I, I don't know how you have Bublik as such a long underdog with that that serve that ability to mix things up. Look, I think he crushed him. Was it Wimbledon? Um, where everyone's like, oh, Medvedev doesn't like the movement on the grass or whatever, and everyone took Bublik and then he cruised. So I get that like Medvedev's just way too like way more consistent and rock solid than Bublik. But if Bublik's on his game, like plus 400 or over $5, that's ridiculous. I might have to take a shot at that. I didn't take any Medvedev outright, so I'm not kind of, you know, worried on that front. And I think, like, I might take, like, a half-unit shot at it. And then after that, I look at Medvedev's path and I say, okay, now I'm, now I'm good. But if Bublik yeah. serves out of his mind for, you know, six games each set and the tie break, I, oh, I, I, so wait, are you going to take the games or are you going to take the money line? No, I wouldn't take the games with Bublik. If he loses, it could be six three, six two. That's okay. If it's if it's too hot and he's screwing around out there and he's down a full set, he may not even try and push for a second set tiebreak. Yeah, that could, that could be really bad. Maybe a Next set, up. maybe a plus one and a half sets is a better look than the games here. If he can get agree. one tiebreak and win it, then he gets broken in each of the next sets. 
You can at least the first set money line too, something like that, because if he yeah. doesn't take the first, you know, he's probably going to check out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I like those; those are good angles. Jeremy Charty minus two fifty or one point four against Barrios. Barrios uh, two to one odds plus two hundred or three, depending on how you like your odds. I'm an odds to one guy personally. <laughs> um, now this one was checked off. I guess John, this is probably you. What's your angle here? I'm going to look at the over here. I think that like people underrate Barrios there to serve. We saw it on grass. He's a lot like uh, Zapata Miralles in that sense, where like a lot of people assume because he's played on clay courts, his success is clay court, especially at challengers. He's got the serve to potentially keep him in this match. And Shardy is at his age is no you know spring chicken when it comes to returning. I'd look at maybe a first set over if you can get nine and a half at you know minus one twenty five or a dollar eighty. I'd look at that. Maybe a ten and a half, maybe a tie break set, or just the general full match over. I don't know if I'm confident enough in Barrios Vera to take this match more than thirty three percent of the time, like the odds indicate. But I certainly think that he can serve well enough to push it over more often than the odds would imply. So this is one of the rare scenarios where I'd take the over and I probably won't couple it with the money line, but I'll definitely look at a few overs and different angles in that respect. I don't mind that. I mean, charity overs are never a bad idea. He he loves serving and he doesn't mind losing sets. Um, Eastman Nagal is next up here. Eastman minus 125 or 1.8 against Nagal, who's right around even money. My guess is if Steve's floating around in the chat there, you might know him as Ace Previews. He probably likes Nagal here. Um, what do you guys think? Yeah. Uh, if I I, I, I was going to take it off, I, I don't know anymore. I looked at Nagal on hard courts. I'm like, yeah, maybe not. But like, Eastman has been so bad. Like, he's been, a, he's legitimately in the area of becoming a justifiable pure fade. And Nagal has the physicality. If he can somewhat find a way to be competent on these courts, he has the ability to, if he stretches points, that physicality is just going to wear Eastman down. Again, I don't know how much Eastman gives a crap about being here. He knows he's not going to medal. Like, I think the older guys like him are going to be like, what's the point? Now, Nagal could be the same way. He knows he's going to medal on a hard court. But I feel like, if anything, he's going to be pushing much harder. And if he can draw points out um, on the, you know, somewhat slower hard courts and be, find a way to be competent, at least, I think he could really wear uh, Eastman down. So, I, I don't know if I'm going to blind fade Eastman here or not, but I'm close. Stroof, minus 270 or 1.37 against Montero. Montero plus 210 or 3.1. Hard for me to back Montero here. I know this – he's been a little better on hard courts. I mean, uh, I, I guess, John, maybe you check this off. I don't know, Spread. Did you have an opinion? I on did this not. One? No. Let John yeah. Go. This is another one where I think overs could come into play. I, again, I don't know if Montero beats Stroof more than a third of the time, but I certainly know that – He's better on hard courts than I think people have, like, the image in people's heads. And I, I, he's a competent server with, you know, a, a decent big lefty first serve. So, again, this is a place where you could possibly exploit when, when the money line is so far out. If you can find a decent total that may be a game too low in correlation with the money line, you could exploit that market. Yeah. I'm going to jump ahead on the list here because I saw European bets asking about – Korea, and I saw that we have that one checked off. Kakushin minus 140 or 1.71 against Korea. I'm looking at plus 115 or 2.15. It does seem like an appealing price on the underdog. What do you guys think? Yeah, um, look, Corey on hard courts is, I don't know if I trust him, but at the same time, Kakushin has been borderline pure fade. Uh, he qualified for Dubai. That's about it. He won a set off Jack Draper, won via retirement. Um, you know, beat Londero on hard courts leading into the Aussie. I mean, this is all he's done all year uh, outside of qualifying for Eastbourne. So 
he's just been so bad. And I think Corey, even though he's not on his preferred clay courts, um, could very well pull this upset. It's not like he's playing a super powerful player who's going to rush him. It's not like Kukushkin is going to be absolutely hammering serves and forehands down um, Corey's throat to the point where, you know, he just can't deal with the pace because he's so used to slower clay courts. He he's it's just he's not great on them. He did take a set off Marin Cilic on slower hard courts in Miami. He did beat Radu Albot. Uh, I do think he's got a shot here. I do. I don't hate it. Um, I think that's a nice one. It looks like European bets agrees with you there. Now let's go mm-hmm. back in order here. Fanini, as mentioned, pretty angry that some of his Italian brothers, uh, Sinner and Berrettini specifically, are not here to help him. He's minus 525 or 1.19 against Shugita. Shugita plus 370 or 4.7. What are we thinking here, John? Hey, so real quick, fill me in on this this Fonini thing because I didn't heard about it until you guys brought it up in the so it was what it was he, art- what is he upset about? I think he doesn't have the chance to play doubles now um, because of some withdrawals or something. I know, or he wanted to play doubles with a certain guy is no longer coming. It was an article translated from Italian, so I don't want to be too like you know confident in, in saying this, but it, it certainly appeared as though he had some qualms with Berrettini and Sinner. I think he's always had an issue with the younger Italian generation um, in general. I don't think he's ever been like super close or a mentor to them. So look, if Fanini's distracted like this, it doesn't, I, I normally wouldn't factor this into anything else, but when it's Fabio Fanini mm-hmm. or if it was Benoit Pair complaining about some of the French delegation and he was actually here like that has to factor in with these kinds of guys, right? They're very emotional guys. They let it affect their play on a regular basis. It's hard to quantify. How do you quantify that within your price to check, you know, what kind of added edge that may provide in your implied probabilities? I don't know. And that's going to be the difficult part over the coming days or the day day and a half I have. Uh, but I'm certainly looking at Sugita in some capacity. The, the form, look, the form is just not there with Yuichi. I understand why he's a, a dog and a, a rather long one, but Minus 525 for Fabio Fanini on a hard court. Especially if he's and especially if he's not all there in terms of like the mental ass. I don't I don't know, man. I don't know if I can get away from saving that in some respect. I, I don't hate that look at all. Um, Igor Gerasimov minus 145 or 1.69 against Jill Simone. Simone plus 120 or so, right? Kind of in that range, 2.2. What are we thinking here, guys? Yeah, again, I, I, I mean, Jelly Simon. This, this is this draw is just so filled with people who have been so bad this year. It's Kukushkin, crazy. Milman, Simon, Sugita. Like, yeah. there are so many guys who have barely won matches across like fifteen tournaments. They've maybe a, a, you know piled up eight wins. It's just ridiculous. And this is another one where you know I don't know if I can get away. From and it's funny because I mentioned Sugita in there, and I'm actually looking to back him just because he's playing Fonini at a ridiculous price. But Gilles Simon again, has he won a match this year? He's won two matches. He beat Eber in the very first term of the year. Of course, it's an Eber brother. Beating them means nothing. They can beat anyone on any given day and lose to anyone. In the first week of the season, then he beat Travagli and Cagliari in April. That's it. That's all. Since then, I think he's lost like 10 or 12 straight matches. It's a, and and Ig, while Igor Grasmov prefers indoor hards and quicker courts, he's at least back on a hard court where he's the most comfortable, even if it's not a quick one and it's not indoors. And he's only like minus 140 against a guy who's pretty much retired. Ah, come on. You've got – you have to fade Simo here, don't you? I agree. I mean, this field's wild. It's literally like a 250 field with Zverev, Djokovic, <laughs> with the big guns. Sitsipas, yeah. and Medvedev thrown in. 
to like a normal 250 that we're capping with four other tournaments going on at the same time. I mean, it's just wild. And, and on the women's side, I looked and I said, boy, this is actually a pretty good tournament, even with all yeah. the withdrawals and, you know, some of the same players, you know, Czechoslovakia can only send two, things like that. On the men's side, it just seems like it's, it's just so much lower uh, than, than the level and the competition that I, I expected. And that's even without uh, even without N- Nadal and Federer, right? Even scratch those yeah. two, just the other level of players. We're missing a lot of the top players in the top 50 here. It's just so, wild how this tournament turned out for the men. So let's do an exercise with Atlanta and the other 250s next week and remove the Rublev, <laughs> Tsitsipas, Medvedev, Djokovic, and Zverev. Yeah. Remove those five and then compare the rest of the fields. Now, this is 64, guys, right? So there are going to be – the lower end is going to be a little diluted because there are wild cards. There are uh, 64 guys instead of, like, 28. But let's look at the rest of the top guys in the in the 250 draws versus the Olympics after the big five here. And let's let's see how it looks because I think Atlanta's <laughs> going to have guys like um, – I think John Isner will obviously be there. I think you'll see mm-hmm. a couple Americans that will be relevant. That will be fun. Oh, yeah. It will be interesting to see that. for sure. I agree. Now, speaking of people that haven't won matches, but I still want to believe that Dennis <laughs> can probably challenge PCB. Probably not. I mean, no. Uh, Busta here, minus 345 or 1.29. Sangren, plus 260 or 3.6. I don't know. Isn't he going to have a swelling pride of patriotism in America? And he's going to be out there doing stuff. Come on. I mean, it's not going to happen, but no. maybe. He's someone actually I wanted to look for, and this is just an absolutely <laughs> terrible matchup for him, right? Yeah, a guy that's just going to be a wall. He's not going to give him any openings. And even if he's not playing his best, he's not going to give him that, like, getting down on himself to let Sangren build himself up. You know, he's emotionally going to be in check, too. Just a terrible matchup for, for Mr. Sangren and, and, and the Americans in general on this men's side. So the big thing here, too, for me is Sangren's going to have a tough time holding. Karnibus is the far better returner. He's also probably got not as big of a serve, but he's got a he's got a quality serve. Very underrated serve for Karnibus Busta. He's rock solid from the baseline, and Tennis Sangren has been leaking errors for months, mm-hmm. uh, even on grass on on like a quicker service where he could find free points. He barely got by uh, Huame Munar. He, he's just not good. Um, like I almost want to lay games here because I'm looking at this saying, does Tennis Sangren win this more than a quarter of the time? I don't think so. I think you could justify making him four dollars almost five dollars does he win it more than 20 percent of the time seriously do you think tennis anger wins this match simulated a thousand times 200 no not a chance i think that there might be value on pcb here i just got to look at the spread maybe not not to mention right if i was going to do a a surface that i wanted to back pcb on it (laughs) a slow hard court seems pretty good to me the u.s open's always been good to him yeah u.s open's always pretty good to him i wanted to think at least somebody had a chance for america i guess not how did we end up with sandra where's fritz is have we got to fritz yet is he here Tommy Paul's here. Oh, yeah, but he's Paul got to play <laughs> Yeah, we just, we just, just bad draws. I mean, j- just the matchups. I mean, not the fact that they're even playing players that are ranked way higher than them and more talented than them. It's bad matchups to go along with the yeah. fact that they're playing better players, you know. So, yeah. tough, tough for the Americans here. Brody minus 165 or 1.6 against John, I think you're laying games and as many games as you can, aren't you? Yeah. Uh, look, I tried this with uh, Zhang Zhizhen at Wimbledon Qualies, and it was going so swimmingly for two sets. I think it was like six love, six three. I was like, ah, got my minus one and a half sets, got my minus two, like three or four games in the bag. I nailed this handicap. And then all of a sudden, the minus two and a half sets goes away. And then he's, oh, it was just, it was brutal. But this is not Zhang Zhizhen. This is Liam Brody. 
One, he's a lefty. Two, he's better than Zhang. Three, he's more experienced. Uh, look, I don't think Serundolo, despite having an okay first serve when, uh, on the grass, I don't know if this is going to translate to hard courts. I'm trying to look up uh, here what he's done on hard courts. Again, it's not just – got a lot of clay quarters here too, right? So it's not just a lot of guys who haven't won a match in 17 years. It's also guys who are not going to like the surface. That's what the, that's what really makes this men's draw so much worse than the women's draw, the lack of all quarters. He played one match on, on outdoor hards this year at the Australian Open Qualies. He beat Gar Guillermo Garcia Lopez, who, again, pretty much retired, and then withdrew before his second match. That's the only hard court match he's played indoor or outdoor all season. Coming up against Liam Brody, that awkward, flat, left-handed game, he's going to pick on that backhand. Um, Sarundolo, of course, lives and dies by his forehand and how it's effective it is. If it's hitting spots, he's going to do well. Now that forehand is coming into a lefty backhand, which is advantageous. But if he's spraying it, and if Brody can can turn that around and get it to a lefty forehand versus Sarundolo's backhand, he's in huge trouble. And I do think this one could go fairly quickly. And if it's only minus 165, if I'm trying to calculate the decimals in my head, that's only going to be about two and a half or three games, I believe. And that's certainly yeah. worth it. Makes all the sense in the world to me. This would be a pretty fun match. Francis Tiafo minus 200 or 1.5 against Quad. Quad plus 155 or 2.55. Probably a little bit of value on the underdog, but I'm not quite sure how to attack this. Um, what do you think, Spread? I, I didn't think that at all. I thought this was a good number here. Uh, I think that Tiafo rolls, and I'm looking forward to the second round match. I, I just kind of penciled him past me. Am I overlooking Quan, John? Probably. Um, I, that's why it was marked. I, I do think this is probably going to be one of the, it has the potential to surprise people. It's probably one of the more entertaining and close matches of the first round, for sure. Like, Quan can ball. He doesn't have anything overwhelming, but he serves well. He hits his forehand well. He has, you know, he, he hits angles and, and, and constructs points well. Nothing elite, nothing great, but he doesn't have a glaring weakness either. Um, so, I do think that you know, there is some potential value here. Is Tiafo the more athletic player? Yes. Um, does, who has the biggest weapon on the court? Probably Tiafo, but it's not like Tiafo hammers his ground strokes either. I just think that I, I marked this off because, one, I think it's a fairly even match. So, yes, there's probably value on Quan. And, two, I would suggest if people are awake or can DVR or something, because you know that NBC and all their little affiliates, someone's going to show all the American tennis matches, right? They're going to have all the Americans on. I would recommend watching this match. I think it has the potential to be a fun one. Uh, if oh, your time zone allows it, like if it's first match on at like 2 a.m. Eastern and spreads it, it's at 11 p.m. I'd, I'd recommend people in the Pacific time zone actually tune into this one. It could be fun. Now we have the last two matches, both featuring the Japanese participants, KD Shikori plus 214 or 3.14 against Andre Rublev, 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 right around minus 280 or 1.35. It's Nishikori, so I'm down for an over. Does anybody else have another thought? I was just wondering if this was a spot that we could look for for an underdog here. Um, I mean, Nishikori, if there's anyone that <laughs> is is the pride of Japan, you know, I mean, he's the original. I know that Naomi's the, the flavor right now, but now, yeah. um, but Key, you know, ha years of support there. I mean, I just feel like you're going to get effort upon effort. I mean, I know you can't get more than 100%, right? But if there's a way to do it, he would manage to do it. Um, am I being a little too optimistic about the veterans' chances? So, so you're telling me all these years of hearing "give it 110 percent" that was never possible? <laughs> is that what you're telling me? This is like telling me Santa isn't real. Spread. <laughs> what the hell are you doing, man? <laughs> what are you gonna do? Uh, but to your question, I kind of want to wait. I'm waiting it out. I want to. I kind of want to fade 
Kane Shikori here. Unibet has gone oh, from dollar seventy nine okay. to a dollar ninety, which essentially means we've moved off the four down to the three and a half at Unibet. Still waiting on Pinnacle. They moved their uh, money line has gone from a dollar thirty two to a dollar thirty eight. So we moved six cents. And of course, when you get that low in the odds, the implied probabilities that start to move. You know, that's a little bit more of than six cents. You know, even money. Uh, so we're starting to see some shift. If we can get a little bit more K money, they waited to correlate their spreads though. And so minus three and a half there is minus 118. I really want the three and a half. I want to see if I can get that budged up to where the market average is, which is about minus 110. If I can get that to minus 110, I would certainly be on the minus three and a half uh, for Andre Rublev. It's perfect sense to me. Yeah, this, the NBA's got me got me going soft here, trying to bet these <laughs> narratives and, instead instead <laughs> of just watching the matches and breaking them down. Right, player spread, Ted. Yoshida Nishioka plus two fifty or three point five against Karen Hatchinoff. Hatchinoff minus three thirty three or one point three. What are we doing here, John? Well, this I I saved it for this section instead of disagreeing in the outrights with spread. Um. I'll bring up that I think he goes out first round. Uh, Not think, sorry, not think. But there's value in him going out first round. This is such a decent matchup for Yoshi. If he can get that first serve back, or or, if Hachanov cannot serve at a high percentage of his first serves, this is an interesting spot where Hachanov has been much better of late, kind of playing with more controlled aggression and spraying a lot less. I'll give him credit for that. That said... He still has a very erratic, inconsistent game. And this is so perfect for Yoshi if he can pull out the angles. And, you know, he defends so well. And if he can find the angles, we're so used to seeing that that lefty forehand pulled cross court, almost landing in the service box, service box a lot like Dom Kepfer does. Um, you know, the aforementioned Dominic Kepfer. If he starts pulling those out, he's going to be pulling Hachinov up the court. Hachinov's going to know he's way too far in, and he's got way too far of an open space to just hit something defensive back. And he's going to try and rip uh, an overhit. And that is such... I just love this stylistic matchup for Nishioka. He's taken out power players before. He knows how to deal with it. He knows how to redirect pace, how to slow the pace down, how to angle well. All those things are key against Hachinov. If he serves 70% first serves, he's going to beat Nishioka. But I don't need him to win every time to profit. I'm not playing a minus 1,000 here. I'm playing a plus 250, right? So I, I I need this to happen less than a third of the time, and I can or a third of the time, and I can still profit at three dollars fifty two cents. So I will likely be on Yoshihido Nishioka in this spot. Yeah, this is making me think that we need a a, a poll question on the pod account, and that does uh, who does spread incorrectly overvalue more, Hashinov or Alexandrova? And we're gonna find <laughs> out at the end of this first round, huh? Yeah. Fred likes the Russians. It's very interesting. <laughs> person of your age, I thought that maybe I, I think it's I Drago. I was, yeah. was just so cool when I was a kid. You know, were you one of those pinko commies back in the day? <laughs> no, no, not at all. Did you go into hiding? I definitely was afraid. Like I watched Red Dawn too many times. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you everybody for watching. Thank you for listening. That's it. That's all the tennis we got for today. We'll be back. Oh, probably in about a week or so. Whenever the heck regular tennis starts again, I'm not really sure what's going on at this point. It's all a mess. But it'd be sooner than that. Who knows? But until then. Thank you again. Please give us a rating, review, subscribe, like, follow us on Twitter. You can follow the show at NetworthPod. John is at JR Tweets Tennis. Spread at Spread Astaire and myself at underscore noops. That'll keep you up to date on all the great stuff we're doing. And we'll talk to you soon. Good luck and all.